Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, and welcome to Strange Dominions, where we attempt to unlock the mysteries of the unseen and unheard, unknown and unknowable. I am your host, Octavian Graves. Tonight, I speak with Allison Chikoski. Allison is a magician and creator of Practical Occult, an online store where you can buy pentacles, talismans, and other occult paraphernalia, as well as take classes and get advice on your magic. We speak about her beginnings in the occult, the PGM, talismans, and the paranormal. If you have seen something strange or unusual, such as a cryptid, spirit, UFO, or anything in between, please send me an email at strangedominionspodcast at gmail.com and you can be on the show. If you are enjoying the content we're making and want to get exclusive content, you can become a patron starting at just $4 a month. Patrons get two exclusive episodes every month, plus merchandise and the ability to contribute to the show. Without further ado, I bring you my interview with Allison Jakoski. All right, I am here tonight with Allison, Allison Chiskoski. Allison is a scholar and practitioner of, the, of a variety of forms of thaumaturgy with a for, focus on results-based magic. While especially interested in both Solomonic magic and the Greco-Egyptian magic of the Greek magical papyri, she is also well-versed in soul flight and psychic magic of various kinds. The founder and force behind Practical Occult, she strives to provide pentacles and other enchanted items drawn from a broad background of rigorously studied ancient arts, leveraging the systems of the past for practical modern use. Allison, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm really happy to have you on. So where did this all start for you? What was your uh, beginnings in the occult and magic in the first place? Um, Really, I was kind of just always a spooky kid. Um, I was, uh, I had spooky books. I was into the paranormal and sea monsters and cryptids. And, you know, I'd go to the library and come back with uh, all sorts of interesting books. Um, you know, and I had, I had personal experiences where, um, I would, I would see things out of the corner of my eye or little, you know, childhood experiences. And it it made me realize that there was a lot more going on than people were talking about. Um, and, and I wanted to find out what was kind of behind the curtain. I absolutely feel that that's a, a very, uh, big motivator for me as well. So I know that you're well-versed in uh, the PGM, and for my audience who may not know what that is, what is the PGM? Well, the PGM is, uh, stands for um, Papyri Greci Magicae, uh, which is the, the Latin name for the Greek Magical Papyri. Now, that's a collection of texts uh, that has been uh, bound together in uh, several books, that people are familiar with, the most recent one being the 
uh, Hans Dieter Betts version, where they've taken these these texts from um, about 2000 years ago, uh, about the time of the New Testament, that were written in Egypt, but in Greek, because at the time it was the colonial era uh, of Egypt. So they had they had been required to start keeping their uh, administrative records in Greek, um, you know, by the, uh, the Ptolemies. So, so we have this, this body of work that was found over, you know, like a several hundred year span in different cities. Um, so it's not, it's not a single body of work per se, but rather a lot of different texts with the same subject matter from the same period of time that have been several times translated together and published in uh, singular books. Beautiful. I, I'm a big fan of the PGM, and I think it's really interesting because when you look at the PGM, you can see the the lineage of what we would call grimoire magic or ceremonial magic, and you can see the traces uh, from certain PGM spells into uh, grimoire stuff. And so I, it, it's really an essential piece of uh, text for any you know magician or sorcerer coming in. Yeah, well, part of the problem with the uh, the Greek magical papyri is it's not it's not a grimoire in the same sense that a lot of grimoires that we're used to are. Um, and and let me let me explain on that. So in many cases, uh, when we look at grimoires, we're looking at the working notes of a magician uh, or or other sort of practitioner, but. Um, Scholars believe that what we're seeing in these Greek magical papyri spells are in many cases kind of handbooks for working lector priests in Egypt and who would handle all sorts of um, kind of mundane issues for people, um, you know, including helping them find justice and love and things like that. Yeah, and there are a, a lot of love spells in the PGM. Yeah, it's a, it's it's funny, um, and some of the spells in the PGM, uh, they're they were found uh, like they're not just the texts; they're they're the completed spell. So, for example, there's there's a couple of spells that were found by themselves, rolled up around hair, like love spells. So that's, that to me says, that's not someone's notes. That's a spell that they did with the, with the materia to link it to the target in it. Uh, so there's, there's definitely some of that too. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things about the PGM, and, and this is kind of common in a lot of forms of magic, is the ingredients that one would use for the spell. They're kind of hard to come by in the modern age. And I'm curious if you found workarounds for this or any advice for people who are wondering what they can do to find more common items to supplement with uh, some of the harder to find items, or if that's just not possible, if you kind of have to do exactly as the spell requires. It depends on the spell. Uh, I mean, there are certainly spells that are prohibitively hard, but some of those prohibitively hard spells are kind of unnecessary, in my opinion. So, for example, there's one spell uh, to find a thief that involves taking the head of a drowned man and planting it in a field, planting flax on top of it, waiting until the flax grows, harvesting the flax, turning it into rope. And then eventually doing not magic with that rope to find the thief. Like, that may work, but first off, nobody's doing it. And second, there's easier spells to find a thief, including in the PGM. So, you know, when it comes to testing everything, uh, I'm never going to test everything because some things are just prohibitively weird or really there's easier methods. And I would, I would gravitate towards, you know, the one that didn't involve the severed head of a drowned man. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely didn't have that. Yeah, no way. 
Um, one of the things that is another interest to me is how wide the list of deities are that can be invoked or, or uh, communicated with uh, throughout the PGM. And it's really interesting to see how there is spells to Hakate and uh, Thoth and Anubis, but also Adonai and Elohim makes its way in there. Right. And uh, the current scholarly belief on that is that these Egyptian lector priests that were likely doing this magic, um, because some of them were uh, like, for example, PGM4, the magical papyri of Paris, uh, really does look like a practitioner's handbook. Um, some, so some of the people that were, were doing these were probably lecture priests, and they had a very diverse congregation. So, uh, you know, scholars believe that they're responding to the needs of, of the folks in our congregation uh, to do that. Um, but there's also a lot of syncretism. Um, when Alexander the Great you know, went all across Asia Minor and, and uh, Northern Egypt like that, uh, it, really, it really created a, a kind of a, a metropolis city in Alexandria. You know, we all hear about the Library of Alexandria. Well, that was, that was the Ptolemies that did that. And that's the same time period of the Greek magical papyri, where there was, uh, there was an amazing push to get uh, just texts, um, you know, all sorts of texts in there, and it was well-funded. Yeah, and you can really see, I mean, the, uh, the spells in the PGM are very thorough. And I've worked a couple of them myself, and uh, the results, you know, when, they, when they're done right, they really come. And I'm curious about uh, some of your results and what, have, what made you realize that this stuff was, uh, you know, possible and, and real. Well, I had already been doing magic before I got to the Greek magical papyri. Um, so I had been, I'd been doing uh, Solomonic magic before that, uh, and I already knew that it worked. Um, so, so I kind of didn't come into the Greek magical papyri from, from as, as a starting place. And, and honestly, I think if I had, I probably would have just been confused uh, as, as the, you know, as, as mentioned, the Greek magical papyri isn't really a, okay, here's what you do first and here's what you do second. And, you know, here's, here's some notes about this clearing things up. It's, it's not like that. Um, but um, I started doing the uh, Steely of Jew first. That was my first PGM spell um, that I, I started to do regularly. And, you know, I had visions from it. I had, um, like, auditory experiences from it. Uh, there, was, there was really something there going on. And... One of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I picked up the Greek magical papyri in the first place is that I'd asked around to other friends of mine who were also um, practitioners, and I, I asked them what they recommended. And several people had recommended the Greek magical papyri as having magic that, um, you know, the results just hit like a truck, right? Like if you do it right, it's so, it's so obvious um, that it worked. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, now, the other thing that you're very into is talismans. Can you give us a little insight onto how you got started with that? Sure, and and also there's overlap there with the Greek magical papyri because several of the items that I make are out of it. Uh, so those those items are, are generally referred to uh, in the text as phylacteries, uh, which are protective amulets. Um, the way that I got into making them was probably the way that a lot of people get into magic, which is they had a need. Some, something came up and, uh, you know, I had a friend who was sick and I wanted to help her. So I asked around about what, what might do that. And I was directed to Solomonic Pentacles. So I, I immediately um, made her one to, to try to, to try to help. So, and I, you know, I, I think that that is 
certainly one of the reasons why people get into magic and also what a lot of people want from it, uh, even though that isn't necessarily what everyone gets out of it. Um, I think I think that we're all in a way looking for the magic of our childhood, uh, you know, the the wondrous excitement sort of magic where it seems like a lot of things today are kind of reduced to uh, union archetypes or, you know, psychological transformation. Um, And, and that's very modern because when you go all the way back to, um, you know, the Renaissance and the Greek magical papyri, um, folks weren't using this for psychological self-help. They were using this to make actual change in their lives and get results. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And uh, that brings up a good point about the, you know, the psychological model versus the spirit model. Do you feel that uh, the psychological model is uh, coming back or do you think the spirit model is more prevalent in today? Because I've seen, you know, I know that chaos magic was very popular in the 90s and that's almost strictly psychological. But uh, I feel like the spirit magic and spirit model is definitely coming back stronger in the last, you know, five, ten years. You know, I, I feel like I'm always confused as to why all of these models are mutually exclusive for some people, because it's certainly possible that, you know, both spirits exist and that our, our, our human minds are very powerful, you know, and can, and can do a lot of things that are beyond what we, what we currently know as our capabilities. So, you know, I, I do... I will say that I hang out in, in more than one chaos magic group. Um, and I, I kind of do that to keep an open mind and see where people are coming from. Um, so I, you know, as, as a result of being in those spaces, I do see a lot of people that, um, you know, really reduce magic to just the, uh, you know, well, if I can, if I can change my outlook on the world, then I can attract this to me or, you know, I will, I will make a sigil and forget about it and, uh, you know, bring this to me. And, and if that's working for people, I'm, I'm definitely not here to say, don't do it. I, I would just like people to know that the wondrous magic really is out there and for them to know where to look when they're ready for that. Beautifully said, and I absolutely agree that I think that the two can work. The two models can work together. Um, we've seen a lot uh, over the years in the paranormal about theories that uh, whatever phenomena is happening, whether it be cryptids, ghosts, UFOs, um, it's possible that they are using our mind and, and subconscious as a way to connect with us, or um, you know come about into our physical reality through our subconscious. So there definitely is something to be said about that. One thing that I wanted to ask you about in the uh, the PGM is, at least in the Hans Dieter Betts version, there is a lot of spells and charms. And I'm curious, what would you say is the difference between those two terms? Um, I mean, I, I have, I'm not really... I didn't really give it much thought, but... Um, the word charm has a lot of different definitions. Um, there's, there's definitely multiple types of magic in the, in the Greek magical papyri. So you have these, these long, uh, rituals with, um, you know, in you know, complicated incense and sacrifices and, um, you know, phylacteries and all sorts of things. But then you also have um, like simple folk magic where it's like take a piece of paper or papyrus in this case and scribble, you know, like five symbols on it to cure a scorpion sting. You know, so so it's it's really it's really eclectic, you know, like I said, because it's not it's not a single grimoire like a like a one person wrote it type of situation. Um but I do, I do like experimenting with some of the really simple stuff. 
um, uh, so for example, the scorpion sting uh, charm that I mentioned, I have used it and I, um, it's worked on a bee sting, a spider bite, a scorpion sting that my friend had, and then some unidentified thing that stung uh, a child. So, I mean, that, that was, that was definitely, you know, the, I, de- I know that this works because if it works on a crying, uh, you know, six-year-old and they're like, the pain went away, then the pain went away. Yeah, absolutely. You do the Practical Occult online and where you make talismans and other magical items. Could you tell us about uh, how that started? Uh, yeah, well, it, uh, as mentioned, uh, I started making Solomonic Pentacles out of a need uh, that my friend had. And they worked so well that I just started making more and more of them. Like it was, it was a very, it was a very big hobby for me. So at the time I was working in corporate America um, and I was cranking out just dozens and dozens of pentacles uh, that I exclusively gave away to friends. So I, I'd been doing that for months and months and months. And then, uh, and then I got called into a meeting at work and it, and it turns out that they laid off my whole team. So it was like, wow, okay. So, so then, uh, you know, this job that I expected to finish the rest of my career out at, um, you know, was just kind of yanked out from under me. And as I was applying for other jobs, every, every time I applied for another corporate job where I'd have to put on a suit and take a train to go to the city and sit in an office for basically like nine hours, including my lunch break, um, you know, I would just cringe because I didn't want to do that. I, I just didn't want to do that again. Um, so I, I sent off those I sent off my resume, I applied for jobs, but, but every time I did it, I was like, Ooh, I kind of hope I don't get it. And then as that was going on, the people started messaging me and saying, Hey, these pentacles that you make, I'd like to buy them. So having completely not thought about selling them before, I, I found myself in a situation where I both needed a new career money and people were looking to buy a thing that I already did. So I started, I started doing that. Well, that's really cool. I really wish I could have that. Yeah. It's been, it's been the best decision of my life. Really. It's, it's just been, um, it's amazing to be able to wake up and have the whole day to, to yourself and not feel tied down to something that, you know, even, even though I liked my job, um, you know, it's, it's a chore to, to spend that much of your time doing something that you're not passionate about. I absolutely agree. For the people who may not know, um, what would, like, how would you describe a talisman and what is your method of, uh, creating them and, and imbuing them with the power that they are said to have? Uh, right. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of splitting hairs over talisman versus amulet versus pentacle versus phylactery. And I'm not sure that all of it's necessary. Um, but the, the Solomonic pentacles that I make, um, and, and actually also the phylacteries from the PGM, they're all made in rituals where spirits are called and they're asked to empower the items. So in all, in, in all cases, um, you know, for, for all of the systems that I work out of, they're not completely separate uh, in that I'm lighting candles in all of them, I'm using incense in all of them, and I'm calling spirits in all of them. Um, they just differ according to the texts that I'm reading or... Um, whether or not they require any sort of uh, astrological timing. And for, for pentacles, that's very light. Um, you know, they're not, they're not looking at 
electional astrology, uh, you know, so it's not, it's not everything that's going on, but, um, you know, I do, I do look at the moon phase and planetary hours and planetary days. And, and those are the sort of things that I factor into, uh, the Solomonic consecrations. Did, did that answer your question or? Yes, no, absolutely. And I was originally going to ask you, you know, what is the difference between a pentacle and a talisman? But I think you answered that one as well. Right. And, and honestly, like these, these magic items, um, they work differently sometimes. So um, in some cases, there's a spirit that lives in them. Uh, and in some cases, there's just a token to call a spirit, you know, like having spirit on speed dial or that the spirit looks through the amulet to, to kind of keep an eye on you, but it doesn't actually live there. Um, so, you know, in, in the, in the grand scheme of things, they're all effective, but they all have, um, have a little difference to, to how they work. And that's also true for Solomonic pentacles in that they're, they're different from each other. You know, some of them, um, some of them call elementals. If, for example, there's, there's a Mars one that I don't sell that makes hail and tempests, um, and, that, and that calls elementals. Um, but not all of the pentacles call on elementals. Um, so that's, that's just one way that, that they're different. Yeah, and uh, I noticed that, you know, like certain uh, talismans or pentacles for different planets, there are multiple pentacles for different planets and they all they seem to do similar things uh at least in their description but they're all very different in in what they actually do is that correct it is and part of part of what i've been doing a practical occult is um you know in addition to calling up the spirits and just asking them what they do um we also field test things um and and part of that is for my own peace of mind because I want to know how, how these products perform out in the real world and what, what they're actually doing, like what, what's practical about this. Um, you know, a lot of people will buy a magic item and they're like, wow, this is, I can feel it. It's got vibes, you know, there's, there's definitely something going on here. And I'm like, that's great, but what does it do? And, and sometimes the answer is nothing. Uh, because it's just, it's just like a magically empowered object that someone's made. Um, but it's, it's not doing a thing. Uh, so, so I, I like to know that all of my products do things and that they work fairly consistently. And if they don't, I don't release them as products. That's a very good business model to have for sure. If someone buys a uh, pentacle for you, how does how do they work exactly? I mean, do they need to be um, charged, or do they? Can you just wear them and they work on their own? What's the uh, I guess the instructions for working with pentacles on an individual level? Well, it's um, as I said, uh, it can be different depending on the pentacle. But um, when you receive them from practical occult, they're definitely all consecrated um, and and ready to go. Um, some of them can simply be worn, um, like the protection ones, uh, best when worn or carried, but, uh, for example, the, uh, second of Jupiter, uh, I don't usually wear that. That's, that's one for wealth and riches. Uh, I just keep that on my little wealth altar in my ritual room and it kind of lives there. Um, in fact, my, my personal one doesn't even have a hole punched in it so that it can be worn as a necklace. Um, so I'd have to <clears throat> get a little case or something to put it in if I, if I wanted to even wear it. Um, but it, but it works fine, you know, on my altar. Um, however, as you know, like I said, specifically some of the protection ones, they have to be carried on your person. I have the, uh, the fifth of Venus, uh, pentacle from you and I haven't tried it out yet. Um, but I'm very keen to. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting. Um, definitely the Venus ones, if you wear them out, um, people will notice. 
um, and and they'll they'll respond differently. So um, I can't remember if I was wearing a Venus pentacle in the story or if I just come out of a Venus ritual. Um, but I, th- I think I'm, I think I might have just come out of a Venus ritual, and I and then I went to a coffee shop to to get some coffee, and I was in line, and this this older lady was like you remind me so much of my granddaughter. Can I give you a hug? You know, and, and it was, it was just such a, it was really sweet, but I could tell that it was kind of the magic working, um, you know, because Venus magic just makes people like you, you know, they, they want to help you. Um, I once, I once wore a Venus pentacle when I went hiking and I was, uh, there was some rock climbing and I was dirty and sweaty and uh, people, other hikers on the trail just kept stopping to offer me bottled water or like snacks or compliment my hiking shoes. And I was like, I have never been on a hike like this in my entire life. (laughs) Um, It was, it was just so, so noticeable. That's really cool. When someone wears, uh, you know, let's say a fifth of Venus or a second of Venus, um, I know you've mentioned talking to the Venus, uh, the Pentacle, to uh, you know, help it do its job. Is there a certain script that one should use, or a way of talking about it, or can you just do it completely casually? I, I'm usually pretty casual about it, um, and I, I'm, I'm usually, I'll just often rub the pentacle or breathe on it and say, you know, spirits of the fifth of Venus, um, please help me with whatever. Um, now, um, you know, there's, you can also get more complicated. Uh, you can call on, um, the four spirits associated with what I, I refer to as the control pentacle. So, um, my pentacles are double-sided and usually on the back, there's a pentacle that says, this pentacle is proper for uh, working with all spirits of Venus, especially those who are written on this pentacle, you know, or something very, very generic like that. So I, I usually just put that on, on the back of the specific ones to make them a little um, you know, more effective and more flexible. Um, so you can you can call the four spirits on the back of the pentacle, um, and and I've also on my my website practicalocult.com I've got a resource section where I've been adding. Uh, what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Uh, dozens of old newsletter articles and, and other things that we've, we've written, uh, which are going to include... Um, and, and do already include um, other ways to use pentacles, uh, little rituals. Uh, for example, um, there's there's also a way to use pentacles in folk magic, um, and it and it doesn't even have to be pentacles that you got from practical cult. Um, you know, people can and do make these things on their own, sometimes out of paper or uh, other things that maybe aren't as strong as you know silver or gold or whatever but um you know maybe you don't need it to be that strong maybe you just need a little bit of magic right now and and you can just do it yourself uh so so that's uh we've got articles on that about how you can make a second of jupiter prosperity lamp um how you can use them in mojo bags 
um, and, and other things like that. I like to have guest authors that I commission to write for Practical Occult because I certainly don't know every method of magic and I don't know every way that things can be used. And I love to tap into other people's knowledge. Um, so definitely check out the resource section of Practical Occult for all sorts of practical tips on using pentacles. Well, that will definitely be linked in the uh, the show notes below during this episode. Just for my own uh, inquiry, I have the 4th of Mercury, and I've had it now for a while, and I'm not quite sure what to do with it. And I'm curious, in your opinion, what, you know, what does it do and how can you use it? And other, uh, you know, Mercury pentacles. Yeah, so the 4th of Mercury is actually one of my all-time favorite pentacles. Um, And I almost never wear it, but I usually just keep it at my desk when I'm researching or writing. Um, The the spirits that work with that are called the Alatori, collectively. uh, And they are considered to be uh, emissaries that are able to answer questions. So in their role as emissaries, as a magical practitioner, I will sometimes have them bring me other spirits. So I'll say, uh, bring me a spirit that's willing and able to help me with X. Or, um, you know, in one, in one situation, I was, I was working with spirits that, uh, astrological spirits that are very subtle and I, w- I was having trouble perceiving their presence. Um, so I called on the Alatori and I was like, hey, those other spirits I just conjured, are they here? And, and they were like, yes, they are. And then I was able to get the Alatori to kind of translate for me um, because the other ones were too subtle for me to perceive. Um, now, now that's, that's things that I do because I'm, uh, I do a lot of spirit magic. But on a more practical level, um, I find that as I'm writing and doing research, uh, if, I, if I keep it right in front of me and get the alat- and ask the allotory to help me, I will just find just amazing insights. You know, I, I'll be maybe searching for one thing and then all of a sudden come up on a quote that really explains something else that I've, I've been confused about for, for years. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to explain the, how that works if you can't hear the spirits because they still communicate with you. It, even if you don't hear them, um, it sometimes feels like intuition or, um, you know, just having like a great idea that came out of nowhere um, I will, I will also, I'll also sometimes ask a question kind of in my head very loudly and immediately just hear them respond. Um, so, so there's that. Um, additionally, I have, uh, I've dedicated customer service. So if, you know, anyone's bought a product from me and they've got specific, situations that they're trying to solve and they, they don't feel like they're they're seeing any progress you know just just give us an email and we'll we'll definitely get back and and work with your individual situation that's awesome one of the things that i've always wanted to try and maybe you can uh, give some insight into this uh a lot of paranormal investigators and and people into the paranormal they uh kind of get sad because they can't see the spirits or that they're they're not really having any kind of um you know real-time interaction and i'm curious if pentacles and if there are any pentacles that could help with that and assist in being able to uh you know really perceive spirits and uh, communicate with them properly yeah so the one to help us see spirits is um i believe the uh the fourth of the sun um, and, and I actually, I've actually used it myself and I had, uh, I had a really fascinating experience with it my first time where I, I did a ritual and I, I often work with a scryer who has much better psychic senses than I do. Um, they've, they've just spent 
really like 15 years training them up um, and they're very, very good at it. So they saw the spirit before I did, but I had the pentacle and I was looking into my, my scrying crystal, which is, you know, crystal ball. And I could see these pinpoints of light, which were the candles being reflected, uh, the candles from the ritual. And, and then as I looked at it, it was like the pinpoints came closer and closer until they were being reflected in the eyes of the face. And it just, it was like, um, you know, have you ever, have you ever used uh, like a camera that you have to turn it to focus? Um, like, you know, it was like that. It was, it was like slowly turning the lens to bring it into focus. And it came, came from like a, almost like a little wispy light hologram thing to, to sharpening into a very long, pointy, featured, humanoid-ish face. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, this, I'm, I'm seeing it, described it to my scryer, and they're like, yep, I've been seeing it for five minutes. Um, so we, we definitely saw the same thing there. That's really awesome. One of the things that I do on a weekly basis is I go to the woods and I give offerings to the local land spirits. And, you know, I'm not in a, a ritual at that point. It's kind of just me um, in regular clothes with food and wine and, and incense, um, you know, telling the spirits, hey, I've brought this for you um, so we can form a relationship. But I'm always, always kind of disappointed because I don't really see or experiencing anything. And I'm wondering if those same pentacles could work in that context of just going out into nature and being able to perceive the spirits that are there. Uh, I think they could as, as long as you were in a receptive state of mind for it. Um, I did get a delightful, um, very long uh, feedback story from someone that I had gifted uh, one of one of the solar pentacles to see spirits. Um, it, and uh, and they wrote back and they told me that they had the uh, the ashes of a beloved pet cat in their office. And that one day they were, you know, they had the pentacle and they were in their office and, uh, and just, you know, I guess in, in like a calm meditative state and they looked over and they saw the ghost of their cat, um, over by the ashes, kind of, kind of laying on them. Uh, and, and it was, it was a very emotional moment for them, but you know, that, that was, that was an example of it being outside of a ritual you know, where, where they just, you know, they weren't trying to see their cat. They just did. That's awesome. I would love to try, you know, something similar to that out in nature and, and see if maybe uh, that pinnacle can help me perceive some spirits that may be nearby that I just wouldn't be able to perceive otherwise. Um, when one has a pinnacle from you, does it matter, like, by do they need to go by that pentacle's day and hour, or will that pentacle work any day of the week at any time? It works any time. So I've made it at a specific time, and now that it's made, it's just good to go. That's awesome. Have you had any uh, pentacles that people have bought from you that had some sort of in, like adverse reaction or anything like that? Oh, yes. So I, and this was, this was, uh, we figured it out, but it was absolutely inexplicable to me at the time. I had made uh, an, a Jupiter honor and glory pentacle for a friend uh, who was also a practitioner. And uh, it was, it was one of the early testers, but almost as soon as they received it, they started having a uh, bad luck. And, um, you know, we, we worked together to get to the bottom of this, but it turns out in their specific case, they had other spirits that were offended that uh, these new spirits had been put on the job. It was like, hey, this is my job. What do we need these, these other spirits for? Uh, I'm not okay with this. So that was, it was like a spirit diplomacy situation where uh, the adverse effects weren't actually caused by my pentacle. They were caused by the other spirits, but it was, it was like a, 
a brief personality clash that uh, he then had to placate his other spirits and be like, no, I'm not replacing you. I still value you, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, and I, I, I still feel kind of bad about that happening. Well, that brings up a really good point because, uh, you know, just for in my own uh, life, I have uh, the 4th of Mercury, the 5th of Venus, and the 2nd of Jupiter, and I've never worn them all at the same time. But I'm curious if there's a, you know, if that's uh, an okay thing to do, or if there are certain pentacles that shouldn't be worn together from different planets. Yeah, so as far as wearing multiple pentacles together, it's certainly okay to carry them together, but... Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend wearing them in a way where they, they rub up against each other. And for, for totally mundane reasons, it's because the metal will scratch. Uh, right. So, so I've had, I've had a couple instances of people who wear, um, just wear a bunch on the same necklace and they all rub up against each other all day, possibly rubbing up against, you know, like a zipper on their shirt or whatever, and then, and then it causes scratches and damages them. So I would say maybe, um, you know, you can, you can get a little creative if you want, you know, attach one to a belt loop or, you know, wear one as a necklace and keep, keep your wealth one in your wallet or, or things like that. I know, I know a bunch of people who keep the protection ones in their wallet. I've got a protection one that's clipped to my purse. And that's just where it lives. Um, also, also, I've been, um, you know, slowly coming out with my practical accessories, which are different ways to utilize pentacles. So, um, you know, I've got earrings and um, bracelets, uh, a money clip, and things like that. So it's to it's to it's to avoid the I only have one neck issue with with having so many necklaces that's a really good point and uh you know for me i use my if i you know if i have my fifth of venus on i will keep my second of jupiter in my wallet and my uh fourth of mercury in uh another pocket uh right so so solomonic magic is is a decently broad category uh, but also a style of magic. Um, there's uh, a lot of folks are familiar with uh, the key of Solomon. Um, and uh, however, a lot of folks aren't familiar with that there's more than one of them. You know, there's, there's lots of keys of Solomon. Uh, <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of different manuscripts uh, that were in different languages. There's different versions. There's, uh, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of different things going on there. So, um, you know, I do I do Solomonic magic uh, before before getting into Pentacles. Um, I used to do a lot of uh, Trithemius rituals, uh, which is the drawing spirits into crystals, and that was my that was my main mood of ritual. But these days, now that I've I've made so many pentacles and, you know, of course I have, I have a vast number of personal ones, like many more than I, I sell, right? Like I, I just experiment with them. I'm like, Oh, what does this do? Um, you know, while, while not everything is, you know, turns into a marketable product, uh, you know, I, I like to, I like to play around. Um, Where was I even going with that? <laughs> I know how you feel. Trust me. Yeah, it's it's been a long day. I'm sorry. What was the question again? I was just curious about the kind of Solomonic magic you did. I mean, if you are doing like full like uh, evocation or things like that, or a more stripped down version. It, you know, it's a it's a more stripped down version, and I will recommend the book that I started out with when I got into. Uh, grimoire magic and conjuring angels um and it's the seven spheres by rufus opus um it's uh it's the trithemius method uh stripped down and well explained 
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. And, and honestly, that's what I needed. I really needed, I really needed a very easy guide to, to get me started. Oh, I had been hanging out in Solomonic groups for... A, almost a year before I, I picked it up and started doing that sort of magic. And I had been reading books about it and listening to other people that did it. And so many people made it out to be so hard and complicated that I was just kind of reluctant to get started, as I think a lot of people are. And then when I, when I came across that book, um, you know, back back pre-pandemic days when we still had in-person conferences and could buy copies of books at the conference. Uh, I went to, I went to a conference in New Jersey where Rufus Opus was speaking and he had copies of his book. I picked one up and within about two weeks I was, I was working it. Um, And I, and I saw immediate results in my life that, that helped me in ways that I needed help. Um, So so I was like, wow, this, this really helped me. And I was, I was just immediately sold on doing, doing this magic. Uh, I was able to, um, you know, immediately get money from Jupiter spells. I was, I was able to use magic to help friends with difficulties that they had. Uh, and I, I just wanted to, I wanted to see how far it goes. You know, it's it was it was like an instant obsession. Yeah, I have seven spheres. I haven't worked it yet, but that is uh, on my list of things to do. Um, okay. When it comes to tal or you know pentacles, uh, is there a requirement for uh, abstinence or you know fasting or anything like that, or does any of that affect the um, the ability for the pentacle to work? So there's there's more than one instruction method to making pentacles. Um, as I mentioned, there's, there's a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different keys of Solomon. Um, and there's also, there's also more stripped down methods to do that. And, and honestly, at this point, I am, I'm not, you know, fasting for, for three days or, or anything like that. Um, but, but what I will say is that I do employ previously consecrated pentacles in rituals to create new pentacles, right? So the spirits are already full force there from previous rituals that I've done. So it's, it's kind of stacked, um, you know, and that's and and I feel that that's that's one of the things about uh, the sort of magic that deals with spirits in general, which is is something that isn't necessarily often talked about, and that's how it can be. It can be really hard to do the first ritual, right? Like you might need to do everything a specific way, but then once you've contacted that spirit. You can say to the spirit, hey, is there an easier way that I can call on you? In much the same way that um, meeting someone, meet, like meeting another person, you might have to, like, let's, let's say you wanted to talk to, uh, you know, an executive of a company. You might have to call and talk to, like, a secretary, and they might say, oh, well, you have to fill out a form, you know, make an appointment. You know, there's, there's different things that you have to do and in hoops they might have to jump through um then let's say you need that person and they're like oh wow you're really cool here's my personal cell just give me a call you don't have to talk to my secretary um you know we're we're fine now so in the same way like spirit magic can be like that um and i 
I, I genuinely feel like I have an amazing loving relationship with the spirits that I work with and they're fully on board and helping me do this. You know, it's, it's putting good out into the world. You know, it's, it's checking off boxes for what they want to do as well as what I want from them. So we're, I feel like we're very aligned in that. Um, and, um, you know, there's, there's some weeks where I do five consecrations of different types of pentacles. So if I had to, if I had to fast for three days for, for that, I'd be, I'd be pretty out of luck. <laughs> Does that go for if someone buys a pentacle from you, do they need to do any kind of, uh, you know, should they avoid sex or, or fast or anything like that? Or can they just live a totally normal life? You know, I'm always worried about maybe offending the spirits uh, if, you know, I engage in just regular behavior. Um, just curious if that is a uh, an issue or if, if not. So I'm going to say it is it is overall not an issue. Um, there's. I mean, there's there's a certain amount of respect, um, you know, that I that I would imagine goes pretty far. So for example, um, my, my, let's say I'm wearing a, uh, pentacle bracelet. I'm certainly going to take that off before I go to the bathroom or, you know, do my dishes in the sink, um, and like get dirty food all over them. So I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but you know, I've, I've definitely been wearing, uh, pentacles when I'm out, sweating in this terrible humidity <laughs> that's that's oppressing us this summer um you know i'm i uh you know have have definitely uh eaten food while wearing pentacles uh basically every day um so i i i think that I, it's it's very hard to it's very hard to make the pentacles not work. Uh, so it's 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 not like one of those situations where, oh my gosh, I forgot to take this off and now it doesn't work. Um, I've I've specifically uh, I've I've done all sorts of accidental things with pentacles. Like I've I've had them in my pants pocket and then run them through the washer and dryer before, um, you know, I don't recommend it, but they still worked. Um, so I, I don't think that, I don't think they're as touchy as some of the other types of magic, um, that, that might, um, accidentally release the spirit if you do the wrong thing. Very well said. I think that, uh, put, will put a lot of mind at ease because I've heard people say that they, you know, they stay away from pentacles because they're afraid of, you know, offending the spirits and having bad luck or anything like that. And, and I've, I've, I've certainly heard all sorts of, uh, rules and, and regulations about things. And, and some of that, some of that turns out to be, well, my teacher told me that and their teacher told me that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not here to say that any of that is wrong. Um, but, but for me, uh, I have, I have pentacles all over my house. I wear them every day. Um, you know, and, and I just live my life with them. Additionally, I know of, uh, I know of several people who actually have pentacle tattoos, uh, some of whom have said, uh, very good things about them working. So, that brings up another interesting question, which is, you know, if you, if you have it literally on your skin in a way that you can't take it off, you know, what, it, what does that mean about the way you have to live your life now? Yeah, so. That's very interesting. I never even thought about doing that. Uh, I don't have any tattoos myself, but uh, we're coming down to the wire here. But I thought as a last question to tie into some of the uh, paranormal stuff, uh, when you've been doing rituals or pentacles or anything like that, have you experienced any kind of strange activity that aren't normal or uh, standard for your magical rituals? You know, I, I would say that there is there is a definite 
uh, effect on the surrounding territory here. And, and it's interesting. I used to have, I used to have a roommate years ago and she worked, uh, she worked a night shift. And I remember one time it was a Friday and I had done, I'd done a Venus ritual and she, she comes home very late and I was still up and she said, did you know that there's not only a, a herd of deer right outside, you know, that window in that room, but there's also a lot of rabbits. So, so this was like 3 a.m. and there's just rabbits and deer all over my yard, right out in front of the window that I did the Venus ritual for the room that I did the Venus ritual in. So I was like, okay, well, that's you know, they noticed something and and they came to see it. That's awesome. I, I have experienced a couple weird things when I've done my magic that uh, I wouldn't expect to be a part of it. I've, I've also, in, uh, in a lot of cases, uh, there's been electrical issues. Um, and sometimes, you know, some of these stories are funny. There was, uh, there was one occasion where my friend uh, Sarah Mastros, who's also a, a professional practitioner that I recommend, uh, she was having folks record invocations as part of a, as part of like an audio project that she was doing, and she asked if I would uh, record an invocation. So I said sure. So I, uh, you know, just went into my basement where it was very very quiet and and did it on my phone, and then and then I sent it, and then I went to go. Um, you know, do some work on my laptop, but my laptop wasn't working properly. Uh, so then I was like, all right, I'll do it on my iPad. And my iPad wasn't working properly. And then all of this stuff was like not working. And then I realized that I had just called a spirit for real and like left them hanging, right? Like I did the invocation and I called them, but I didn't ask for anything or like say anything. So they were kind of like tapping me like, okay, I'm still here and you can't do anything else until we resolve all this. Um, so, so that was, you know, I've, I've seen them, you know, minorly mess with my electronics like that. And I've, I've also been on the phone and heard like EVP stuff uh, in one of my, my early PGM experiences. Uh, I have, I have a friend who's very into Thoth and I found an interesting spell in the PGM and I was like, Oh, I'll give him a call and I'll, I'll tell him about the spell. So I call them, we're on the phone and I'm chatting and I'm like, yeah. And it says, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm reading the spell off on the phone. And all of a sudden, like this crazy EVP starts coming through and, and I've never heard anything like it. And, uh, it turns out he also heard it and it just kept happening. We kept trying to have, we got off the phone and we had uh, additional phone calls where this, this weird EVP stuff came through the line. Uh, and finally I was like, I was like, I, you know, whatever spirit is trying to reach me right now, please stop. And I will call you. So I, I, ba I basically like, went to my ritual room, set up a ritual and did the whole PGM spell that I was just discussing with my friend on speakerphone. That's awesome. That's a really cool story. Well, Allison, where can people find all of your, uh, your information and things like that? Uh, practicalocult.com. Awesome. Well, that, like I said before, that will be in the show notes for everyone to check out. Allison, thank you so much for being here and coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. This was delightful. Yeah, it's my pleasure. That was my interview with Allison Tchaikovsky. I loved having her on the show, and I will be having her again very soon. All of her links are in the show notes below. That's it for tonight, folks, and I will see you again in The Strange Dominion.
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.